Well, this is what happens when you uh, try to get a guest speaker on Mother's Day. It ends up defaulting back to us. Uh, the last uh, teaching team meeting, we decided we would try to find someone, Michael, someone to come in and speak today. But Michael, uh, after several efforts, uh, decided that that wasn't to be. And so it ended up defaulting back to us. And uh, we hope that uh, we'll have something to say that will be uh, of encouragement. We are going to talk this mo- this morning about... Uh, Mother's Day and about honoring mothers. And, you know, you think about it, we're not here to worship mothers. We're here to worship our God. But we recognize that one of the greatest gifts that He has given us is the mothers that we've had and the influence that they've had in our lives. And I think of my own mother who now suffers from Alzheimer's. She's not in a position where she can uh, rationally communicate with me in any way any longer. Uh, but the influence she had in my life as a young person uh, taught me to love reading. And although she raised me as a Baptist, she taught me to love God. And, and, and she brought us to church every week. And she believed that she was very much a believer in God. And so she instilled that in me. And there are a lot of things, no doubt, that I'm not even aware of, that I am the result of the influence of my mother. And I, I, I appreciate her uh, in the things that she did to teach me. Uh, by extension, uh, those of us that are married, we might want to also honor our wives. Um, whether they're mothering our children or whether they're still mothering us. Uh, because like I know in my case, my wife spends a lot of time still uh, mothering me. Uh, I still get, uh, usually when I go to work and it's time for supper, she sends me a text that says, Time to come home, Papa. It's kind of like what my mother used to do to me years ago when she'd stand out on the porch and holler for us boys to come in because it was time for supper. And so some things don't really change all that much. And and again, my wife does that for me quite a bit. And those of you that know me know that I'm pretty spoiled. Um, I used to have an assistant coach that used to say, you're the most spoiled man in the world. And I said, that's right. Thank you. So anyway, this morning we want to talk about uh, an influence uh, there, uh, of, a, of one particular mother. And uh, this is, in a, I want you to think back to the times of the judges. Uh, so it was the time where Israel was, uh, they had taken over the, the land that God had promised them. But we were still not to a time where there was kings and there were judges that ruled over the land. And there was a man, and his name was Elkanah. And Elkanah uh, had two wives. Now, that's a really bad idea. Uh, Solomon had about 700. But between the two choices of 702, I think two would be the worst because you've got this natural rivalry. And that was the case with these two because uh, one, one of the women had given Elkanah children and one had not. But see... Elkanah loved the one that had not given him children, but she was very frustrated. And the one that, that, the one that had not been given children, or not had any children, was constantly ridiculed and teased, uh, by the one that had. And so she was very, uh, very distraught by that, and, and, and it was just extremely painful for her. Um, we might even say in a pun that it was unbearable. Well, anyway, um, 
So finally, this, this woman went to the priest. And she went before God and she, she uh, had this prayer. And it goes something like this. O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. So you think about this is that he, she's saying that if you'll bless me with a child, if you'll just take this burden away from me and bless me with a male child, then I will commit him to your work. And if you think back to those times, a male child, any child, but especially a male child, was more than just an emotional attachment. It was really a matter of uh, they were going to help with the family business. They were going to help with chores around the house. They were going to be charged with taking care of the mother in old age. So it was really more, more of a sacrifice than just an emotional one. And so she made this plea. But you know, it's easy in a time of crisis to, to make a deal with God, isn't it? You know, you think about that is that things are bad and, and you see no way out. There's a lot of people that turn to God and say, God, if you'll do this, then I'll turn my life around, dedicate it to you. Whatever the, whatever the, the bargain is, it's real easy in a time of distress to God and do that. But then a lot of people, what do they do? They turn back. And so when they're blessed in the way that they wanted to be blessed, if they are, then they tend to forget about the other end of that promise. Well, that was not the case with this mother. So she has the, she is blessed with this child. And it comes to at least probably three years later, because we know that this is the time that after the baby was weaned, and from what I can understand, that uh, mothers wouldn't have done that in, in this time until about the age of two years of age, or maybe even three. So we're talking about quite a spell of time. Enough time certainly for the priest to forget, but not this mother. So she comes back before the priest and it says, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore, I have also lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. So it was, it was typical, it was customary in, in the, for a Levite that if you were a Levite, you, were, you served God on a rotating basis between the ages of 25 and 50. But see, the commitment here started not at 25 years of age but at two years of age or three years of age, he began to do chores and things in the Lord's uh, service. And that became an integral part of this person's life. You think about the faith that that took. And so she goes on in praising God after she fulfills her part of the obligation. She says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. Now let me explain that a little bit. They wore a little, in some cases, they would wear a horn, the women would wear a horn on their head. And from that horn would drape a veil. And when you were, when you did not have any children, you wore it at a more of a, an angle that was straight out. But once you had children, you raised it up higher. And so although the, 
the uh, change was a subtle one. It was one that would have been readily perceived. And so she's uh, exclaiming her joy that that was the case with her. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. She had total confidence in God. You know, that even after two, three years later, she wasn't taking credit for the blessings. She was giving that to God. She says, there no one is holy like, like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. She exalted God. Talk no more uh, so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is, God, is the God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. And so she recognizes here something that we should all recognize, that personal pride is really, is really something that we should do away with. And that she looked at the blessings that she received and rather look at that and, and, and say, look at what all I have done. Isn't it wonderful that I've been able to do this? She rather looked at that, her circumstances and said, you know, I'm greatly blessed of God. And that would be something for us today to, to recognize that whatever our situation is, that God has blessed us in certain ways and that we shouldn't be arrogant about those blessings. We shouldn't, be, we shouldn't think about what all we have accomplished, but we should think about what God has allowed us to do and to have. And so this was the attitude of this young mother. Pride is foolishness. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. So He's in total control. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust. And He lifts the beggar from the the ash heaps. To set them among princes. And to make them inherit the throne of glory. That God's in total control and she recognizes this. He can make the strong weak. Or the weak strong. Well... So who was this great woman of faith? Well, her name was Hannah. And who was the son? And was he an important figure in the Bible? We find out that he was. Because see, he was a prophet of God. And not just a prophet, but a great prophet of God. He was the last of the judges. He was the last of the judges before a king. In fact... He was the one that anointed the first king of Israel. And that was King Saul. He appointed David to be king after Saul. And his name literally means heard of God. You know, because that's what happened. Is because Hannah Hannah heard from God the blessing that, that she would receive in this person. And his name was Samuel. And again, Samuel accomplished all those things. And you think about the influence that no doubt his mother had upon him. That she had him, that she she was definitely part of raising him. That she committed him to the Lord's work early. And because of that, he was able to do great things in the Lord's kingdom. And you know, there's, there's a truth in that that we recognize that when we start something early in life, it's just better, isn't it? When you, when you get in a good habit early in life, it's a lot easier to carry those things out and to continue them as you get older. Now, certainly I believe in the power of God 
I believe in the power of God to take an older person that may be somewhat set in their ways and soften their heart. But you know what? It's harder to change, isn't it? As you get older, your habits become more entrenched. And so it's harder for you to make those transformations. Not that you can't do it and not that God's Word can't cause it to happen. But let's be honest. is If you don't ever develop those bad habits and you start working in the Lord's kingdom early and you, you grow up that way and you avoid those habits that are so difficult to break, you know, it's a lot easier to serve God and to be effective. And we saw that that was the case with Samuel. So what do we know about her? Well, Hannah believed some things, didn't she? She had some pretty strong beliefs. First of all, she, be- she believed that God had total power. She believed that God should be completely exalted. And she also believed that God was a rewarder of the faithful. Now, here's, here's an area that we've got to be a little bit careful about. Because, you know, when we look back in the Old Testament... There were physical things that happened with them that when they were, when they were faithful to God, God rewarded them in this life. When Israel was faithful, their kingdom prospered. When people followed God, He allowed them to prosper in this life. Now we all can look around and we can find some examples. Think of some people very good people. And you know, bad things happen in this life to good people. And so we, we, we might tend to think, you know, uh, I was faithful. Why didn't God bless me? Well, all of our blessings don't necessarily occur in this life. And that we have to realize that there's a life after this. God can certainly intervene and does intervene in this life. And that's why, you know, Michael stood before you this morning and prayed for people that are needing prayer. Because we believe that God intervenes even in this life. But we also understand that there's a, that there's a reward that, that is out there for the faithful. Whatever happens to you in this life, that you'll be rewarded in a life to come. So Hannah believed in these things. And as a result, we see Samuel being raised in that environment with a mother that believed those things that put him to the Lord's work at an early age. And what did he become? He became a great worker in the Lord's kingdom. So what about Samuel's children? Now think about that. They've got a great grandmother. Obviously wonderful influence in Samuel's life. And so how about Samuel and his children? That's an interesting question. Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse number 3, it's answered for us. It said, but his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. So for whatever reason, Samuel wasn't able to be the same influence on his children. Maybe it's because, uh, especially back then, but even today probably, that uh, the mother has a greater impact. In most cases, not in all cases. Maybe it was just random. Maybe these guys just decided to turn that way even though they'd been raised the right way. You never know. That certainly can happen. But the percentages say that if you raise them right, the chances are a lot better that they'll turn out in a a way that's pleasing to the Lord. So, what should we learn? What lessons can we learn from the example 
of Hannah. Well, first of all, I believe our beliefs determine our habits. You know, the things that we really, really, really believe will determine what we do regularly, right? I mean, if, if you really believe something, if you really believe there's a God and you really believe that He's going to reward you, that's a faith that's going to make you behave in a different way than someone that just gives lip service to it. And our habits determine our crisis management. When, when you get into a tough situation, how do you respond? A lot of people will turn from God. They won't go to God, they'll turn away from God. They'll, they'll run the other way because, because they'll believe that God has let them down somehow. That, that somehow they're in this situation because God has not held up His end of the bargain. And so they become despiteful about God. But so our beliefs determine our habits, and then our habits determine how we handle these crises that are going to occur in our life. And everyone, everyone is fa- faces these crises, let's be honest. We all do or we will. If you haven't yet, congratulations, but it's coming. There are crises that are coming. And how are you going to handle that? Your true beliefs are going to determine that. And the other thing is, your children are going to know your priorities. They're going to know what your habits are. They're going to know how you, t- you handle things day to day. How do you handle frustration? How do you handle a quarrel? How do you handle it when you're having a difficult time with another person? How do you handle it when you've got a, a strife between two family members? Is it handled in a godly way? How much time do you spend in the Lord's Word? Is that important to you? Or is it more important to do other things? Your kids will know that. They'll see that. And we have to believe, just like Hannah did, that God will reward the faithful. Not always in this life. And that's the hardest thing to accept, isn't it? That sometimes you can be faithful and God will permit bad things to happen to good and faithful people. And it's it's hard for us to understand why that would be. But yet we see it and we have to understand it and, and see it as a just a small part of God's bigger will and His bigger plan. And that we can't know and understand all things. Well, in this life, here's what God did for Hannah. Remember, she gave her first son back to the work of the Lord. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. So she got the blessing that she asked for, that she had a family. And that that family, no doubt, was not only did she get the child that she prayed for, but God saw her heart was right. And because her heart was right, He blessed her. And He was a great influence, or she was a great influence, no doubt, on all these children. And these children, no doubt, were a great blessing to her. So, a mother's influence. Mothers, you have a bigger impact on your children than you can imagine from day to day. Uh, Again, I I look at at my family, I look at my wife, if something were to happen to me, and those boys would fight over who gets her. They would. 
And our daughter-in-laws would fight over who gets her. They would want her. And that's the kind of person you want. That's the kind of influence you want to have. And sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it doesn't feel that way. Because sometimes in those daily battles that, that go on as you're trying to discipline a child and bring him up the way he should go. Uh, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's that kind of relationship. But as they get older and they look back, they see it much differently. There's a, there's a passage that I want to close with in Proverbs 22, verse number 6. You're all familiar with this. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and he, when he was old, he will not depart from it. I believe that is a general principle. I believe that's something that is generally true. You know, Solomon is giving advice and, and he's saying things that, that, that are, is it true a hundred percent of the time? I don't believe it is. But it's true most of the time. And if you're gonna play the percentages, if you wanna give your children the best chance to grow up and live as good, godly young men and young women that will have good, godly families as well, then your best chance, you're playing the percentages, you want to teach them the right stuff. You want to be committed to those principles and you want to do it on a regular basis and the benefits will be worth the cost. Uh, this morning, if, if we can serve you in any way, we haven't spoken anything about the first principles, but if anyone has a need that the church can assist you with, then we're going to sing a song of invitation. We would ask you to come as we stand and sing.